You guys turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. You guys, we've read over the last two weeks, if you remember, Steve did an awesome job of kind of getting us through a pretty awesome chapter. Chapter 32 is a fun one, right? And really, these, these are as well. These two are great ones. But we, we read about the reaction of the 40 days that Moses had on the mountain, right? What was the reaction? What, what reaction was happening down below while he was up on the mountain? Communing with God, hearing about like, hey, man, I'm raising up Aaron to be the high priest, and these are going to be his garments, and this is what it's going to look like, and here's the tabernacle. I'm laying all that out for you. And Moses is like, whoa, right? His mind is just exploding. He's like, this is nuts. Like, I'm loving it. What's happening down below? Aaron's like, bring your gold, guys, right? Like, you guys want a God? Let's make a God. I don't know what the heck's going on with Moses. He's lost his mind, or he's gone, or I don't know what. Maybe he died of exposure. He's been up there a whole long time. And so then they made this little, or who knows how big, right? This, this calf, this golden calf. And we, we learned, right, that, man, there was all this idol worship happening and how quickly it turned into massive debauchery, right? In the, in the Hebrew, it actually kind of speaks to the fact that it quickly turned sexual. It turned ridiculous. They were, this was not worshiping God or honoring God at all. As a matter of fact, it wasn't that long ago that they stood at the base of this mountain and God said, hey, you're going to do these things and remember what they said? We are with you, God. Yeah, we're going to do it. Woo! <laughs> Didn't take very long. They're like, where are God? Yeah, forget it. Let's make a new one. What was Moses' reaction? Well, he's, he's hucking down the mountain with these two or, you know, the tablets that are written by the finger of God, it says. He gets to the bottom and he's like, Clarence, what have you done? Right? He like throws the things down, right? Clarence, I don't know where I brought up Clarence. <laughs> Just some random guy, right? Aaron, what the heck is happening, right? Like, <laughs> I like making up names. I don't know. Man, they were so quick to look for a new God. And Moses, he smashes these tablets. These, like, I mean, for real. Listen, if we found the Ark of the Covenant today, it's priceless, right? Like, would we all agree? Like, that's a priceless item. That is like something that like, holy cow. Now think about this. We have the second set of Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant. How much more priceless would it have been if it was like, yeah, it's still, it still has this crazy glow, you know, or whatever. I have no idea what it looked like because it was written by the finger of God. You know what I'm getting at? Like, it's insane to think about what he smashed, but that's what he did. And then we saw, man, that there was a, a price to be paid, right? He made them all, he melted the gold down, he sprinkled it all over the water, he made everybody drink it. Why? What was that meaning? It was meaning this. This idol is worthless. It's crap, quite literally, because that's what is going to happen now. You're going to eat this and consume it, and it's going to come out the other end. And you're going to realize how much your gold matters. What else did he do? He said, hey, who's with me? And the Levites came. And then he's like, go, take care of these people. And why this number 3,000? I have no idea. I, I read some different scholars, and some scholars believe that it's probably these were the people that were still in the midst of the debauchery and kind of just either didn't catch the clue whenever Moses smashed it, or they just didn't care that those were maybe the people that like they just went out and they're like, you just don't get it. You really don't want to follow Yahweh at all, and you were never about it to begin with. And so you're done. This is it. However that looked, you guys, tonight, 
we're going to look at kind of the continuation of this story, uh, their command to leave Sinai. And I think there's a lot for us to gain tonight. And here's the biggest thing. I named this message, you guys, God loves stiff-necked people. And aren't you thankful for that? Because <laughs> my neck, woo, it's hard as a rock at times, right? How about y'all's? So I'm thankful that God loves some stiff-necked people. <laughs> so let's read, you guys. Chapter 33, verse 1, it says this. It says, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Termites, and everybody else. Verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Check this, though. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments. In other words, take off your earrings and your nose rings and all your fancy stuff. That I may know what to do with you. Verse 6, therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. So you guys, God tells Moses, hey, it's time to leave the mountain. Like, we're done here. It's time to move on. And he tells them, listen, you need to begin heading towards the land that I had promised your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That it's time to head that direction. And I need us to remember this. Why is this whole section kind of intriguing? Well, how were they being led to Mount Sinai? Do you guys remember? They had a pillar of cloud by day and a, the fire, right? The pillar of fire by night. Who was that? That was God. It was Yahweh leading them and directing them. It was something that was very peculiar. I'm sure if you were some tribe out in the desert and you're like, what the heck is that? And what are these million, a couple, you know, million plus people behind it? Like, what is going on there? They were definitely different. They stuck out. They had a protection. They had something that made it clear that they were under God's protection. That's how they were going. But what's he say here? He says, listen, verse 2, I will send an angel before you to drive out all these different people, right? The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now, we've already gone through Joshua. Did that happen exactly? No. God did desire to drive them out. God did, as a matter of fact, in many instances, he miraculously did drive them out, right? Either through all sorts of crazy things. Like one time there was all these hornets that showed up. And so the whole tribe was like, we're out of here. And they hit the road, right? And then whenever the Jews got there, they're like, hey, cool. It's all here. Jericho, obviously, right? They walk around seven, seven, it's crazy, right? Crazy story. You know, I cannot help talking about Jericho without thinking about VeggieTales. I just can't. You think that walking around will bring the city to its knees? Ah, <laughs> oh, Philippe, I pity them. Mary, Jean Claude, Mary. Okay, you guys, I want us to hear that. I want you guys to understand that, like, God did keep his word with them, and he did do it the way he wanted to. But just because God has major plans, he wants to use us in them 
And that's where so often we see the failure in the plan isn't on God's end, it's on our end. And so, in a way, I'm thankful that the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, that they weren't all entirely wiped out, even though they were kind of supposed to be. And the reason I say that is, is that how many of us have certain bloodlines that we're not even aware of, right? Americans, man, we're all mutts, right? We're just straight up mutts. And why do I say it? Like, God had a bigger plan than all these things. But in these moments, you guys, he was, what was he trying to drive out? What was the thing that God was saying? He wasn't saying, go commit genocide on all these people. What he was saying was, get their influence out of your life. Yeah. Get that stuff far from you. That was really what the aim was. Drive out these ways of thinking. Drive out, and, and a lot of times, yeah, unfortunately, that meant literally drive out the people. And I do think God has every right to do those things right? Have you guys ever talked to people that talk about Sodom and Gomorrah? Like, I can't believe God would do that. It's like, I can't believe God lets us breathe, (laughs) right? Like, God's God. We're not. He can do whatever he wants. And it's his grace in a lot of instances like that, where you're like, dang, like, I don't understand it. I don't get it completely. But I I look at it, and I'm like, man, God, what would have happened if Sodom and Gomorrah would have stuck around? Who knows? God tells Moses that he himself is not going to go with them. Why? This is a very interesting point. He says, I'm not going to go with the people because if I do, if I even spend just an instant with them, I'm probably just going to wipe them out. (laughs) Kind of an interesting thing for God to say, isn't it? You guys, and it fits in with what we're what we're dealing with today in our society as far as like in the world today, right? God is a just God. God's justice is satisfied in the person of Christ. It was and is satisfied in the person of Christ, but Jesus isn't on the scene at this point, right? We're just now establishing this whole idea of how sin is forgiven. Do you understand? So God's telling Basically, Moses is like, I'm actually extending grace to my people by not being in their midst because if I am, right? That's kind of what he's saying. He's like, right now, like we can't, they don't know who they are or what they're doing. And I can't deal with that right now because I'm a just God and I'm a perfect God and I'm a sovereign and holy God. And these people are anything but. And I need us to hear this. We see that God wanted to be in their midst, didn't we? What was he saying to Moses on the mountain? Hey, build this tabernacle so that I can come and tabernacle with you, so that I can come and dwell with you in your midst. Like, that's God's heart. That's been God's heart. That's always God's heart. That's still God's heart, even right here. But what he's saying is, man, until we get some things straight, I'm not going to be in a position to do that with you. Until they were able to get some things straight. You guys, we have a lot of people in this world that pray to God and don't know God. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I know I did that before I came to the Lord. God, if you're real, whatever. Help me to date this girl. God, if you're real, help my dad stop drinking. God, if you're real, right? All these prayers. Does God hear those prayers? Yes, he does. Do you know the difference, though, after I accepted Christ? Oh, Father. Will you come down and deal with these things? There's a difference in our prayer when we know who we're praying to. There's a difference in our relationship when we're in a relationship with, that, with God, right? Do you get my point? 
He wanted to walk in their midst, but their hearts and their actions showed the truth, and that was this. They loved God's promises. They wanted that promised land. They wanted all the good things that God had to offer, but they really didn't want God. That's what their actions showed. I mean, think about it, guys. It's only been 40 days. It'd be like my wife and I going on vacation for 40 days, and you guys are like, ah, forget it. And I come back, and nobody's here anymore, and we're like, what happened? And I'm not God. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm acting about, though, is, is that, man, it's only been 40 days on the mountain. There's a cloud on this mountain. There's things happening on this mountain, right? The, the, remember, the elders had gone up so far and, and kind of, you know, supped, or, you know, I can't remember what the word, I, I have the New King, or the King James Version in my head. They supped with God. But remember, God said above them, they could, like, look up and see his feet, basically, while they ate there in the presence of God. They communed with him. These guys were in the midst. Where were they being like, no, you don't want to make this golden calf. Like, what are you doing? It's been 40 days. It wasn't that long. And they're already gone. It just shows their heart, you guys. And again, like I always say, we cannot ever get too hard on anybody that we read about in the Bible. One of the proofs that the Bible is the truth is the fact that they're so hard on themselves. Does Superman ever write negatively about Superman? No. <laughs> Does, you know, think about like, you know, of all the historical books, if you ever like go and you do any archaeological kind of digging in Google and looking at archaeological documents, do you know that without fail, every king ever from the times of like David and all these other things, when they read, they're like, basically either I'm a god or they'll say things like, I came in and I conquered so-and-so and I did this and I brought them under my heel and I did all these things. And what, what we have here is, man, David, you, you slept with a girl that you shouldn't have and then you killed your, her husband and you did all these horrible things. And it's the only historical book we have that's like contains all these truths about like, man, we're human and we do stupid human things, yeah. right? Here we see, you guys, that these people were showing their true, self, their true selves. They're like, we don't really want you, God. We just want all the stuff you can give us. God wasn't really welcomed in their midst. Not right at this moment. They were too busy chasing their own things instead of desiring to know God first. The people of Israel were enjoying all the blessings, the freedom, the protection, the direction, literally the direction, right? Being led by this cloud by day and fire by night, but they, they didn't really want to know and enjoy time with God himself. But when the, people, when the people actually heard these words, that God wasn't going to be in their midst, they were heartbroken. They realized that they need to recognize the severity of their actions against God. Sound familiar? That's repentance. That's it. We talked about it on Sunday. Repentance, man, it's like this dirty word nowadays, just like sin. And it's like, no, the, sin is a thing. It's an entity. It's a real thing. We all have got it. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And I don't give a hoot what your sin is because we've all got them. And if you're like me, you got multiple. What about y'all? And we got all these areas that we sin and we screw up in, but the reality is, is that repentance is that place where we're broken over our sin. And we realize like, oh God, this isn't right. Like, why am I doing these things? And that's thankfully where they were in this moment when they're like, wait, hold on. That pillar's gone? Like, he's not going to lead us anymore. He's not going to come into our midst and, and follow us and do all these things. 
Think about this. Moses hasn't even dropped all the bomb that he was talking about up in the thing. What has happened in this point of history? He's coming down stoked to share all the things that God had shown him and to be excuse me, to begin the process of like, yeah, we're going to need people that are going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come and indwell you and you're going to like, you know, work in metals and you're going to do all this fabric work and do all this amazing stuff. And he's coming down all excited and he's like, this was written by God. And he comes down and he's like, what is happening? He smashes these two things and now we're in recovery mode. And God's like, just forget it. Like, let's go. Like, not literally forget it, but like, let's just move on. So what could have been this beautiful thing? What could have been this moment of intimacy with God? And God having that intimate moment with his people instead became a corrective thing. And it was something that, man, they missed out on. Sound familiar? Isn't it true for us? How often are we like impatient or get angry about something or whatever. And it's like, God's right on the cusp of something sweet and beautiful and intimate. And we miss it because we let our own emotions or we let our own sin get in the way of it. Thank God he's so gracious and he loves some stiff-necked folk. You guys, they were heartbroken. They realized, man, it's not okay. And this is where this whole thing with them taking off their earrings and their no, you know, all the stuff that they were wearing, their ornaments was this. If you had your ornaments on and you're all dressed up, it was like this thing of like, oh yeah, today's the same as yesterday. It doesn't matter that 3,000 people just got slaughtered because they were in debauchery. And it doesn't matter that we made a golden calf and then we had to drink the gold. And it doesn't matter any of those things. It's all good. Everything's good. Everything's fine. That's totally the church today, isn't it? That's why we're always talking about, man, take off the plastic pieces. Do not be Ken and Barbie. The church is so weak and anemic because it just puts on its ornaments and keeps walking around like, everything's good. It's all good. I fought with my wife the entire way here. Everything's fine. It's okay. Okay. And it's like, what are you gaining? Nothing. And then you walk out and you're like, it's all good. It's all good. My life is horrible. Everything's going to garbage. What's happening? You just missed out, dude. You missed out on getting up here and being like, I'm a hot mess, help me. Right? Man, they, that's what God was saying. Like, please don't put on your facade. Please don't just get all dressed up and act like everything's fine when we all know it's not. Be real. Be genuine. Recognize what you just did. Own it. Own your crap. Own your sin. So they took it all off. They didn't just go out like it was another day. They took a moment to mourn their actions. We need to understand this process because this is what leads to the next part. God is so quick, you guys. He wants nothing more than to be with us, than to to be in our midst, to really be in close, intimate relationship with us. The only thing that ever holds us back from that is us. (laughs) It's never God. Not ever. We're the ones that miss it. And even that, he's like, it's not rocket science. Repent. Come back. I'm here. I love you. There's also some damage and consequences that have to be walked out, right? 
It makes me think of my, you know, has anyone really ever been in or dealt with prison ministry or homeless ministry or things like this where there's sometimes real consequences, right? Real, real consequences that, that need to be dealt with, unfortunately. But there's also a change of heart and a person that's repented and is walking with the Lord. But I know in homeless ministry specifically, you guys, there are people that their brain's barely there because they've done so many drugs. And yet they find themselves in a place where they're now they're in a, a, you know, a home and they're able to kind of get some help and, and get themselves, but they found the Lord somewhere in there. So they're not doing the drugs anymore, but there is a real consequence that they have to live with until the day they die because their brain is fried. And it's hard to see that because you're like, oh Lord, you could heal this if you want right? But sometimes he chooses to let us walk out our consequences. It does not minimize the intimacy that he can have with you still and wants to have with you still, even in the midst of the consequence. So there is a consequence, and here the consequence is is that God's saying, man, I'm going to distance myself a little bit from you. I'm going to keep my distance from you for your own sake, right? Again, we live in a different dispensation, Jesus has taken on all of the sin of the world. So we come boldly into the throne room. We can be as intimate and close to God as we choose to be because God has made that middle way, that thing that was there. But this is not what they were, the dispensation they were in. They needed some sacrifice, something to set their hearts correct before the Lord to satisfy his justice. To protect them in this moment, He's saying, look, I, I'm just going to keep my distance from you. I'm with you. I love you. But I cannot be in your midst right now for your sake. And that might be hard for us to get our, head, our heads around because I think for those of us that are post-Jesus, it's, that's not how we think about God. But do you understand how this was a grace that God was pouring out upon his people? Because again, he's holy, he's pure, he's just. Their sin is still there before him. And so he's like, look, I... We got to deal with this. He wants to draw close. But it requires from us a heart that desires to draw close to him. Flip over with me, you guys, to Psalm 145. Psalm 145, verse 18. It says this. This is David talking, right? He said, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord is near to all who call on him, who call on him in truth. People who desire to want to know God more, I promise you he's there and he wants to know you too. He will take that and he will, (laughs) you're going to know him, I promise, if you're willing to look for him. Let's keep reading back in Exodus. Verse 7 says this. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out there to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So you guys, we see, remember, this is not the tabernacle. The tabernacle was built right in the midst of the, of the tribes, right? It was kind of in the middle of the, all the tribes. This was a tent of meeting. This was basically, we don't know exactly, was it Moses' actual tent? 
It seems like it wasn't because he wasn't always there, but Joshua, we'll read about that, right? Was it like a storage thing where they were like storage? Who knows? We have no idea. Here's what we do know. It was called the Tent of Meeting, and it's where Moses went, we're going to read, to meet with God far outside the camps. We also read, though, that there were some folks, right, possibly the Levites, folks that were like, yeah, I want to know more. I want to press into God as much as I can. And so they didn't go in the tent, but they would stand outside the tent. They would go out to the tent of meeting, and they would commune with God there, right? Much like people come here to this church building. This church building is nothing. That tent of meeting was just a bunch of cloth and skins and everything else to keep it dry. That's all it was. But guess what? When God was there, it was something more, wasn't it? And it's the same thing with this church building. We are the church. The church, the Holy Spirit's in us. But man, isn't it sweet and special like tonight with worship? And we can just sing our praise to God and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a sweet and special thing. That's something that we have a right to press into freely as Christians. And here we see, man, they, they still had this way. God didn't leave them. He was still there with them. So Moses, he took it up. It wasn't a tabernacle. But here they were, and they would go out to this tent. So let's keep reading. Verse 8 says, Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. And thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses would go out and spend time getting to know God. He would go out, and as he did that, all the other people that knew, oh man, Moses is heading out. They would come out of their tents and they would stand there and watch him go. Why? Well, we read why. Do you understand what a blessing that would have been? God had just said, hey, people of Israel, I know it breaks your heart, but I cannot be in your midst right now. I'm going to be at a distance from you. Can you imagine how much it would bless their soul to see the pillar of cloud come back? Think about it. He hasn't left us. It's not the same as it was. But it's not as bad as it could have been. Do you see why they worshiped? Mm -hmm. And here's Moses up in this tent, hanging out with God, getting to know God. And, And think about this, you guys. He had just been on the mountain talking to God. Like Moses didn't miss out. And it wasn't because Moses was special, was it? No, Moses was a murderer, y'all. Moses was a flat-out liar. Moses was the one that was like, God, I stutter. You know, I I don't talk good. I can't do this. Making every excuse known to man, and God's like, shut it. Just do what I ask you to do. That's not what he said. He didn't say shut it. (laughs) But you get my point? He's like, Moses, just go. Come on, man. Moses wasn't some special human being. Moses was just a guy that said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. He wasn't perfect. He has more screw-ups ahead of him. The guy didn't even end up in the promised land. But yet God communed with him and talked with him and knew him and was his friend. So Moses enters in. The cloud ascends. The Lord would speak with Moses. 
You guys, the people didn't get to experience God the same way, but they knew that at least their leader was experiencing God. And that's awesome. But man, how much did they miss out on? Right? Moses had obviously fallen in love with God more and more and more. So he's out at the tent of meeting, growing this relationship he has with God. And the truth is, you guys, is that I don't, and this is the contrast of tonight. He does love stiff-necked people, and I'm so thankful for that. But man, my prayer is, you guys, is that we're more like Moses. That we're like, man, God, I want to know you more. Like, God, I desire to to put down all of my own selfish desires and my idols that I so easily place there in front of you, whatever those things are. Man, I think if, if we're pressing into God more, I, pro- I, I know for a fact and I promise, right, that God's going to show up and he's going he's to get to know you more too in the processing. You're going to grow that relationship closer and tighter and it's going to be amazing. I want to be like Moses. I want to spend my time here on earth getting to know God more and more. And I believe if that is our aim, you guys, I believe that God will honor that and he will show up. The Lord, he spoke to Moses in audible tones. You know why I believe that? Well, here's why. I mean, we don't necessarily see that. Here's why I believe that. Where it says that he spoke with him face to face, in the Hebrew, this is literally what it means. He spoke with him mouth to mouth. That's what it means. Which that sounds a little weirder, doesn't it? <laughs> What's the point? Well, we're going to read in this chapter, right, that God says, like, you can't see my face, Moses. If you do, you're dead. So obviously when he says he spoke to him face to face, he wasn't talking about like, right, like this, like talking to him face to face. So when we read that mouth to mouth, what does it mean? It means he heard God. That's what I believe it means. That's the only thing that kind of makes sense to me. That when this pillar of cloud was there, that he's talking and he's like, so God, these are the things, man. I, I want to talk to you about this thing. And God's like, okay, Moses, like talk with me. What's up, man? Like, let me know what's, it, what's going on. Like there was this conversation. Wow. Wouldn't that be awesome? I have, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, oh God, why don't you do that now? Like, and I, I, I wish he would more. I have a, a person that I knew who's, who I loved right after I came to the Lord. His mom would say like, oh yeah, I, I hear God. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And she's like, I hear God. And I'm like, like you, you hear him? And she's like, yeah, I, I hear God. And I'm like, man, you're a freak. What's your... <laughs> and hear me on this. The more I grow in the Lord, the more I'm like, is it possible? Absolutely. God is that big. He could do that. So I'm not acting like I I understand what that meant. Like, did she hear him all the time? I don't know. I don't have a clue, but I I don't also don't doubt her. Does that make sense? Like, who who am I? I mean, I I was a 16-year-old little punk kid. That's why I acted the way I did. But now, at 48, I'm like, I I have no idea what happened there. But boy, do I wish I had that? Heck yeah, I do. Not because I need it in the sense that I trust and have faith that God is God. I have absolute faith that I'm going to see him one day in heaven. It's not, I don't need his voice for that. What I want his voice for is because, wow, how much more intimate. 
It's like the difference between a phone call and hugging. Right? At least it is to me. We read finally that even when Moses would leave the tent, we see Joshua, who we know very, very well, wouldn't leave the tent. You guys, I think that's just, for these two men, I think it's just such a beautiful picture of what it looks like to truly seek God. You guys, so many people are like, well, I want to be a leader. I I feel like the Lord's calling me to things and and things. And, you know, I don't know how many people I've talked with, unfortunately, that are like, I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. And you're like, great, man. Like, what does that calling look like? Let's, like, let's parse that out. Let's, and then they don't show up to church for two months. And you're like, I don't think you're called, man. And they're like, well, how do you know? Well, because you're not coming. When did, when did Joshua's leadership get established? Right here. Right here. When he's like, I'm not leaving. I want more of that. I want to see what God's doing. I want to sacrifice everything, friends, everything. I want to sacrifice it all to know you more, God. You want to see God use your life? Start giving more of it to him. Be like Joshua. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. And then almost like as an aside, he says, consider too that this nation is your people. Do you, see, do you hear the intimacy in Moses' prayer to God? He's like, man, God, like I, I know you want me to lead these people, but I'm really sad because you're, you're not going with me. You're not going before us, and, and you haven't really told me who you're going to send. Like you told me it's an angel, but who? Is it Michael? Gabriel? Who is it? You guys... We've already seen that his people were coming to a place of repentance. But here we see Moses just speaking really intimately with God and saying, man, I've got some real spiritual concerns for myself in my own life. He said, God, you're the one that's been speaking with me, and I need you to keep doing that. And as you do that, would you show me your ways? Would you reveal to me what direction you have for me to go? God, would you give me wisdom to know what it looks like to follow you? Why? Because I love it. Because, right, he says, man, he just said in verse 12, like, I know, you know, you've told me already, God, that you know me by name and that I've found favor in your sight. Then he's like, but I need you to show me your ways. I need to know you more. Why? So that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. It's almost like reciprocal, and it almost sounds like a little bit works-based, doesn't it? But I don't think that was his heart at all. He's like, God, I love you, and I love this intimacy, and I love that I found favor in your sight. I want more of that, God. And so, Lord, I want to know you more, and I want to know how you want this life to look of mine. Why? Because I want more favor. Not because I want some blessing. No, I want, to know, I want intimacy with you. I want you more, God. It's, it's really beautiful. It's awesome. 
man, I, I don't know, you guys, as I've been studying this week, I'm just, you know, I, I'm so torn because I'm like, man, I, we're watching like Battlestar Galactica for like the third or fourth time through. Great show, by the way. And I'm like so wrapped up in watching this show again. And there's nothing wrong with these things, but daggone, like, when you get home and you're more worried about getting into your PJs so you can get an episode in, I'm just being real with y'all. When you read stuff like this, I'm like, oh, God, I want your audible voice. Do you really? Because you're more worried about what happened to Starbucks. I'm losing probably 90% of the population <laughs> crew right here. They're like, what the heck are you talking about? Look, Battlestar Galactica, it's amazing. But you guys, he's praying and he's saying, man, God, I, I want to know you more and more and more and more and more. And he didn't let all these things get in the way. And I'm freely admitting, you guys, I am not preaching at you. I'm preaching alongside you to say, how much stuff do we just put in the way? And then wonder why it's like, God, I want to know you more. Okay, get to know me more. The more we know his ways, you guys, the more we will find that we're walking in the favor of him. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about blessing. I'm talking about walking in peace, knowing, yeah, I'm doing what God's asked me to do, even if no one else is on board with it. Walking in his grace, <laughs> recognizing that, man, even when you blow it, you're like, God, I'm, I'm aiming at you. I really apologize. I shouldn't have said that thing, or I, I shouldn't have done that thing. Walking in his mercy. There's this blessing, this thing that grows in us, I believe, that we walk in a greater sense of the more we're chasing after him. Right? Now, it's all available to us, and his grace is more than sufficient. So I'm not acting like, oh, it's limited based on you. That's not, I hope you're not hearing that. But do you understand that we're never going to give him more than he's already given us, right? We're never going to get to the end of that. We're never going to do it enough that he's going to suddenly be like, well, I've met the end now. You're good. No, like we're never done. But man, if our heart is to seek him more like Moses was, I promise you God is going to say, yeah, come on, keep coming, keep coming. I want to know you more too. As we press into God, we learn more and more about what it looks like to walk this life out. And I believe the more we look at what it looks like to walk this life out through his word, the more we try to understand what God has specifically for us in, our, in this life, this life is going to be filled with peace and joy that will not be found ever in anything that we ever do in the flesh, ever. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, by the way but it will be filled with a peace and a joy that we're never going to find otherwise. And I think that's what Moses was asking God for. And again, what do we see here? Well, we see in verse 13 that Moses loved the people of Israel. Moses was constantly going and reminding God. Not that God needed the reminder, but do you, again, go back to this idea, the more he's getting to know God, do you understand how God's changing his heart? Because remember, that wasn't always Moses, was it? There were times when Moses was like, and by the way, there's more in the future too where he's going to be like, these people, holy vey, right? But in these moments of intimacy with God, when he's growing to, with the Lord, he's like, man, God, would you do this for me? But then also remember, these are your people. Like these are the people that you've chosen. Don't forget that, God. There's this beautiful intercession that Moses is doing on behalf of Israel. And we see here 
God answers the heart of Moses. God answers it. Verse 14 says, and he said, and he being there, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, without you, God, I'm not moving. Verse 16, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are so distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. So God immediately says to Moses, hey, my presence is gonna go with you. Even if it's not quite the same as it previously was, I'm with you. My presence is with you. And Moses makes it clear that, Yahweh, if, if you're not going, I don't want to go. That's a good word, y'all. Yahweh going with them was what set them apart from every other nation. And Moses knew, man, without your presence, God, there's no point in leaving. And I think, guys, we need to grab hold of this. There are far too many churches, I believe. And listen, we are not immune from becoming this church that God left long ago, and we just keep going. Right? You see it in a lot of churches, man. They're just social clubs. They're just doing their thing. God's not really involved anymore. As a matter of fact, God's word isn't even really taught. Nobody really cares about God much anymore. It's just about like, what social causes we're trying to register with and what we're doing there. And I feel like, man, guys, I don't ever want to get there. I want to be a place that obviously imperfectly, but at least aiming towards God saying, man, Lord, let's, let's see what you got. Like, what, where are you moving? What, what can we do? How can we, how can we be in the things that you're about? I want to be a church like that. I believe that's what we are now, but oh Lord, keep us far from ever losing sight of it. I always say, you guys, I want to be in the curl, right? You guys know surfing. You don't, if you're behind the wave, you missed it. The wave's gone, right? If you're in front of the wave, you're going to get pounded. <laughs> if you're in the curl, sweet. I want to be in the curl, man. I want to be where God has us, just to be like, able to be like, ah, oh, look at that. And when you're in the curl, there's a lot of momentum, Right? You're being just pummeled forward by this wave, but you're in this sweet spot where you just get to ride it. It's beautiful and it's amazing. And that's where I want to be with God all the time in my own life. And that's where I want our church to be. You guys, God's presence was and is needed. It was needed for Moses and it's needed for us. Verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock 
And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then when I take away my hand, uh, then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Guys, Moses goes a step further in his cry to God, right? I love it because he's like, you know, I'm already in your presence. I'm already hearing your voice audibly. I'm already getting all of this just intimate relationship. And isn't it just like, it's just like what it should be. The more we get to know God, the more we're like, oh boy, I want more. I want to know you more, God. Will you show me something different? Not because we're trying to chase some weird thing. You guys get it? No, because we're like, I want to know you. Been married to my wife 18 years and I've loved every bit of it. But I can tell you this, I know her a lot more this year than I did when we started. And I'm stoked. Really, I am. I am stoked for another 20 or 30 years when I get to know every little wrinkle. And I get to know every little, (laughs) you're like, I don't know about that part, right? (laughs) No, I I am. I actually genuinely am. I want to grow old. I want to grow old with somebody. I want to know them. I want to know them. I want to get to a place where there doesn't even have to be conversation because I just know that look. I'm already there on a lot of things. (laughs) Most of them are like, do you guys? (laughs) Exactly. You guys know what I'm getting at? As much as I want to know my wife, I want to know God even more. As much as I know, want to know my friends, I definitely want to know God so much more. Right? I want to get to a place that maybe I don't need his audible voice because I just know his direction. The Holy Spirit in me is just making it abundantly clear that all I need is a little tug in my heart one way or the other, and I'm like, okay, we're going this way. I'd love to get there. I'm not there yet. Love to get there. So Moses goes a step further. He's like, man, I, just, I, just, I don't want to just walk in your presence, God. I want to see your glory. He's asking God, like, we show me something even more? I want to know more of you. You guys, can I just say, to me, what we're seeing in Moses, this is revival. This is revival. He did say that to Moses. <laughs> it's okay. It's no big deal. Listen, at least I know you're in the word. Come on. (laughs) You guys, he wanted to see God's glory. He was asking God, like, will you be more intimate with me? Will you show me something even greater? And I believe, you guys, that this is revival, a hunger to know God, not to have an experience with God, to know God. And sometimes those things are intertwined, right? But one of those things that we keep talking about on Sundays, right? Like, man, we got one side of the church that's chasing all the, the spiritual stuff and wants the experience. And man, I was, I was part of a pretty hyper-Pentecostal church when I first got saved. And we would get in the car and drive for hours to go to this one church where this one guy was going to speak so maybe we could get slain in the spirit. Yeah. That stuff's not right. That's not chasing God. That's chasing a feeling. However, you guys, there's also a lot of other churches, and I would say, unfortunately, as a church, we're a little bit further on this side, and I wish we weren't. That's like, I've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, and that is all I need. No, that's not all you need. You need more and more and more and more and more of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's somewhere in the middle where we're walking in the freedoms of the gifts that God wants to pour out on us, and we're doing it in order, and we're doing it according to God's word, and we're doing it for the edification of the body. That's where I want us to be. 
And so when I read what Moses is saying, it's kind of a crazy thing to ask God, show me your glory. Do you know what would have happened if God would have? He would have been obliterated. It would have been like a nuclear bomb dropped on Moses. He would have been like, ah, that's it, I'm done. Where did Moses go? He's dead. <laughs> and God knew that. But do you love the request that, God, that Moses gives God? Like, show it to me. From an honest heart, from a heart that's like, yes, that's what I want. I don't want the experience. I want the you. I want you. And God answers him. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to show you my goodness. I could show you my justice. You wouldn't survive it. I mean, he could have showed him. He's all these things, but he's, I just picked one. I'm going to show you my goodness. You guys, whenever Moses says, <laughs> hear this, this is how naive of a request he's asking. The word in Hebrew here for glory is weight. He's like, God, show me your weight. You're not going to survive that. You can't live under that. Do you understand the request he was making? That's a bold request. You guys, we can walk in and ask the same thing of God now. And God's gracious. He's not going to give you an answer that's going to kill you but he will give you an answer. That's beautiful. And yet too many of us are too busy getting home to watch some Battlestar Galactica instead. You sinners. <laughs> you get where I'm going, man? I feel like, man, there's so often that I read these things and I'm like, oh, yes, God, yes. And I get all pumped and I'm like, yeah, I want that, God. Do I really? I think I do. I want to want it. Oh, God, change my heart to make me want it even more, so much so that, God, that's what I'm chasing yeah. all the time, not just when it's convenient. God honors Moses' request as much as God can do that for Moses' sake, right? Yeah. For the safety of Moses, he's like, listen, I'm going to pass by you, and I'm going I'm to show you my goodness but I'm going to put you in this cleft of the rock and I'm going to cover you. Why? Because you would just die. And I don't want to kill you because I love you. And so he puts him in the cleft of this rock and we're going to read about that next week. But he tells him in front of this and I want you to hear what else he says. He's like, I'm going to proclaim my name to you. And what's he saying? I'm proclaiming my character and my nature to you. That's what your name means in that culture. He's, going to he's like, I'm going to share with you who I really am. I'm going to give you my name. And then he also tells Moses, man, you can't survive a face-to-face -face meeting. And listen, we need to hear this. Too many people use this little thing, and they're like, look, there's a discrepancy. They spoke face-to-face, -face, but that would have killed Moses. Right, because it's not that word. And if you would dig just a little bit deeper, you'd understand that. But people so often want to use this particular passage to kind of act like there's a contradiction in the Bible. There's not. There's not. But he tells them, look, I can't, I can't show you my face. Why? Because we are flawed, sinful humans. And to stand even for a millisecond in the very presence of our perfect and holy creator God face to face would be our demise. Doesn't it make sense? 
So he place, or he's going to place Moses in the cleft of the rock. He's going to hold his hand over him to protect him. And then as he passes by, he's going to like let him see his back. And we're going to read about that next week. But guys, the big takeaway for us tonight that I, I really feel like God just poured out onto me as I was studying was this, that God loves stiff-necked people. And that means you and me. And to that, we should all say amen. Amen? <laughs> and I think it's amazing. But I need us to hear the second part, and that is this, man. That doesn't mean we have to continually walk in our stiff-neckedness. Is that a word? I don't know. We don't have to walk like that. We don't have to be, keep being stiff-necked. Right? We don't, that's like, we don't have to continue to do that. We can actually say and be like more like Moses and say, man, God, I want to know you more. And Lord, the more I know you, would you loosen this thing up? Would you give me a Holy Spirit massage? Would you get me to a place where I'm ready to move? Like wherever you're moving, my head's tracking. Where I'm not as stiff-necked as I once was. To press in and to know you more, to stay focused on you, to keep spending time with you, to get out of the everyday mundane and go out to your tent of meeting. Or as the New Testament calls it, your prayer closet, that place, that space for you and you alone with the Lord, to just spend time with him, to make that more important than a TV show or a football game, even if it's the Eagles, because everybody knows the Patriots are worthless this year. <laughs> Oh, you guys. Man, I want to be like Moses. I want to desire him and to know him in a deeper and intimate way more and more and more every day through his word, through time with all you guys, because I believe that God speaks to us through a bunch of freaks, all of us together. Through time and prayer, praying, you guys, talking, but also listening. Just listening. Lord, what do you want to say to me? Wouldn't it be awesome if we listened long enough that maybe one day he would talk, yeah. like audibly? Amen. I promise you guys that life like that will lead us all to a peace and rest that I don't believe we'll ever know otherwise. Let's pray. God, we have this weird juxtaposition between Moses and the whole rest of the people, God. And, and Father, I, I find, at least for me and Lord, I, I don't think I'm alone so often. I, I can probably resonate much quicker with the people than I can with Moses. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would change that in, in us. And Lord, I thank you that regardless, your grace is sufficient. That Lord, for each one that's here that knows you, Lord, that Jesus that has accepted that you died and rose again for us. Man, Lord, we walk in a peace and a grace that we already don't deserve, but is so just amazing and, and peace bringing. But oh Lord, the more we know you, the more God that we are intimate with you, Lord, to just spend that time to, to talk to you, Lord, to be in your word and let it wash over us and, and show us, Lord, what it looks like to walk with you. Lord, the more Holy Spirit, we let you have your way in our lives. Get us into these uncomfortable places, Lord. Show us the giftings that you've poured out into us for the betterment of the body, walking in all those things, Lord, walking this whole thing out, God. There is something so amazing about that. And God, I pray, Father, for each one here, I pray for myself, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord, God, that we, God, would not choose idolatry and all the stupid 
stuff that gets in the way of you, but Father, that we would choose you every day. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've chosen us. I thank you, Father, that we walk in a grace that we will never find the bottom of. But God, I also pray, Lord, would you give us hearts that desire, just like Moses, to want to know you more, to want to know your ways more, Lord. Father, just for no other reason than because we want to see you made famous. Lord, because we want to see you growing in who we are, Lord, that we can understand what it looks like to find favor in your sight. Even though we already have more favor from you than we could ever imagine, Lord, we want more. We want to know you. Have your way in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Awaken Great Bay in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our church or need prayer for something in your life, connect with us at awakengreatbay.com.